Wargaming Recon is proudly sponsored by the Maine Historical Wargamers Association. They're the folks behind Huzzah! Historical Wargaming for New England. Huzzah takes place May 15th to the 17th, 2020 at the Doubletree in South Portland, Maine. Experience some of the best historical wargaming at Huzzah! Visit www.huzzahcon.com for more information. Wargaming Recon is proudly sponsored by Enfilade. Enfilade is a flagship historical wargaming convention for the Northwest Historical Miniature Gaming Society. Enfilade is held annually over Memorial Day weekend at the Red Lion Inn in Olympia, Washington. Enjoy the largest historical miniature gaming convention west of the Mississippi at Enfilade. Visit www.nhmgscitadel.com for more information. Welcome to Wargaming Recon. I am your host, Jonathan J. Reinhardt. Wargaming Recon is the only member of the TSR Podcast Network to discuss historical and New England gaming. So, it's been a while since I've talked with you, actually. Um, This is my first episode back. I've taken a break. As you may know, if you have... If you follow us on social media, or if you listen to the last couple episodes, which were, um, they were guest hosted actually. So the last one, uh, Adrian took care of for me, and he talked with Dave Valentine about the Devil in the Wilderness Kickstarter, and then before that, uh, Joshua Shoebridge uh, helmed the show for me from Down Under, and they had mentioned, um, that I was taking some time off. My grandmother had passed away, and I've been in mourning, uh, is actually what it is. Uh, It's been hard. It's been really, really hard. And any of you who've lost those, or anyone that you've loved, probably knows what I'm going through. Uh, This isn't the first time I've lost someone close to me, but it's hit me really hard. Um, where I'm at in my mental health journey has opened up so many things in my life, but has also allowed this to just really strike deep and to allow me to feel the full um, the full weight of it, actually. And so... There's been a lot of tears, a lot of time with family, uh, time alone, a lot of sadness. Um, even now, as I talk about it, uh, so like I said, it's been hard. And uh, younger me wouldn't have taken this time away from the show. I, in the past, when my grandfather had uh, passed away, for example, I took a week, maybe or two. And I dove right into doing the show again. And even when my first child was born, I took a little bit of time. um, But again, not as much as I wish I had. Hindsight really is 2020. 
And I think a, a large part of it, uh, at least back then anyway, for me, uh, was that my duty to providing a show for all of you, to providing content and episodes, and to doing my best, um, that my duty to that and my desire to do that uh, was placed higher than taking care of myself. And now, through my mental health journey, those things are still very important to me. They still rate very high because you deserve that. But at the same point, I'm valuing myself, uh, which is something I haven't done in a long time. And I'm allowing myself to be important, uh, to take care of myself. Uh, as you can tell so far, this is very different from the sort of show we normally do. And I hope you will indulge me a little bit. Um, this is a year of mental health for us here at Wagon Recon. 2020 is the year of mental health. And I think it is for a lot of people. With the pandemic and just all sorts of disasters going on in the world, I think we all owe it to ourselves to try to be mindful and to try to care for ourselves and to care for others as well, but not at the expense of ourselves. And there's a way to do that through tabletop gaming, which I'm going to get to in a moment. But if you'll indulge me a little bit longer, I'd like to just kind of share a little bit about my grandmother, if I may. And if you don't want to uh, hear this, I, I understand this. William Recon's a tabletop gaming podcast, and I get that. Um, so if you want to just kind of fast forward, uh, I don't know, four or five minutes, <laughs> a few minutes, uh, I get it. Uh, but if you want to join me on the ride, uh, just as I tell you a little bit about her, uh, please just keep listening. And in part why I'm going to share it is because uh, not only is it important to me, but I think in sharing a little bit about her, I think you'll see how it's kind of helped to shape who I am and my vision for the show and what we do here at Working Recon. So my grandmother is a first-generation American. She was born here. Her parents came from Italy, from the old country, and she had a lot of tragedy in her life, actually. When she was younger, her father died on the job, and uh, due to anti-Italian um, sentiment and anti-immigrant sentiment, uh, he was, his wife, my grandmother's mom, my great-grandmother, uh, was denied any sort of um, pension or savings or um, insurance uh, that he would have been due because his employer uh, had managed to get a, a who I have always been told was a friend uh, to lie and say that my great grandfather was drunk on the job, which he was not, uh, and they didn't want to. The company didn't want to pay out basically because at that time in the early 1900s, it's not something companies wanted to do, but also because um, the company wanted to exploit him and my grandmother's family because they were not Americans. Is how it was viewed. They were. Others, they were immigrants, they didn't count as much, they didn't matter. And so that forced a lot of changes in my grandmother's life where uh, the family had to 
really just reevaluate. And they had done well, actually, until that point where they had a struggle. And they had to work extra hard, twice as hard, five times as hard, for anything they ever got. Uh, my grandmother was born in a house outside of Boston that was built by her family. And they had to turn that single-family home into a two-family and rent out part of the house in order to make ends meet. And when my grandmother uh, was older, she had to know... Um, she had to work hard, actually, is what it was. And she helped to raise her two brothers um, when she became a little older. Her mother died on Mother's Day at a very young age. And so it was just my grandmother and her grandmother. And this family of women, of strong women, uh, raising herself. But she, as the eldest, she had to take care of everyone. Uh, she had to go against the mores of the time and kind of take a lead as a, a woman. And she excelled in school. She was very, very smart. And so much so that she was allowed to graduate early her senior year of high school so that she could then um, leave and do like advanced studies and go to work. Uh, and she ended up during World War II working at MIT uh, in the radiation labs. Uh, this is something I found out much later she would never talk about because she had signed things, um, paperwork, because it was top secret, but she was part of the Manhattan Project uh, to work on this. And we still don't know the full details, but they didn't just let anyone in. Uh, she became a nurse's aide and raised a, a family, uh, but always just a, a strong woman. And my grandfather, uh, to her husband was just he was a strong man but they were both devout I'm and they were uh, Catholic my family's Catholic I'm not saying any of you have to be religious or Catholic but their faith was very important to them and something that was instilled in me as well and when I was growing up at a very very young age uh, my father was in the Navy uh, and when he left active duty to go to reserve duty uh, he tried to get work in the private sector up here in Massachusetts and the state would not recognize all of his training and his education and his uh, skills and his years of experience in the military they didn't count that and so he was not qualified to work in the state doing what he had done in the military and that meant he had to work many many jobs um, I believe at one point he worked five jobs at the same time uh, low-level jobs, uh, making minimum wage or, or, or as little as you can imagine, but just to try to put food on the table. And so when I was very, very little, we lived in that downstairs apartment for my grandparents from way back when my grandmother's family had to turn their house into a two-family house. And most members of my family got their start there. And there were many times when we didn't have enough to eat um, we couldn't afford a newspaper growing up. And we made less than... Um, we lived below the poverty line, is what it was. Uh, and a large reason why we've been able to succeed is because my parents worked really hard. But also because my mother's parents, my grandparents, were there. And I spent every day with them. A part of every day, up until I started school. And even after, uh, with both of them. 
and just large amounts of time. Uh, some of the happiest, yeah, some of the happiest years of my life were spent with them. And they taught me so many things like the importance of working hard, the importance of caring for others, the importance of trying to do good in the world, the importance of family, and the importance of letting others know how much you value them. My grandparents weren't uh, people who said the words that they love you, uh, not until uh, later in life. Actually, I don't think I've ever heard my grandfather say he loved me, but my grandmother did uh, much later in life. Uh, but they showed it in their actions. They believed in doing, and my grandmother always found room at the table for someone else. Uh, everyone was welcome. People were not turned away. She helped to care for anyone and everyone, and often through her work, through her faith, uh, she helped those uh, who were married and having marital troubles and try to uh, counsel them and work through that to see what they could do. She helped those who didn't have enough uh, so that they could have food and that they could have the things that they needed, and that's something my entire family has adopted, and that's something I've tried to do with the show, where we try to give back and try to use the show as a platform to help those who don't have enough and to help those who are hurting and who need some extra hands. Uh, and my grandparents helped shape me in ways maybe more than some people have. Um, you say grandparent, you say grandmother, grandfather, and I think for a lot of people that kind of instills an image of someone who you see infrequently, maybe, um, maybe at large family gatherings, uh, and you know you have a fondness for them because they're family, uh, but maybe not necessarily a closeness. Uh, but my f entire family has kind of kept—I'm going to call it the immigrant mentality—where when people come from another land, they come to America. Uh, in the past, anyway, there'd be large numbers of them. And they would all live together and they would all support one another. Uh, they would treat it like the old villages that many of them came from. Where, uh, I think maybe perhaps from a mistrust of outsiders, but you didn't go beyond to seek any help. You didn't let others know of your troubles. You worked within your community. And my family has continued to do that so that all of us, we are all very, very close. Although now there are, my grandparents are gone. Um, but my mother and her two sisters and how there's, um, I have all my cousins and then they all have children and I have children that we're all still exceptionally close, perhaps too close uh, for some people. Uh, I'm not saying my family, but others might find it uh, too close. But there's comfort in that. And I try to use Wargaming Recon as a way to try to treat everyone that way, as if we are all in a community together that we can all help one another. And just those values from my grandparents were instilled with me. And I think because of that, they're not just grandparents, they are so much more. And it's just something that I think it's worth keeping in mind um, for how I am. And it goes I, I say this as a way to kind of show that my grandparents weren't just, you know, these distant figures, that they 
were much closer part of my life. And I am very grateful for that. Uh, and that's also why, in part, uh, it hurts more. And these feelings are more raw for me uh, than they might be for other people. But we all grieve differently. So I want to thank you for indulging me as I shared that with all of you. Uh, and I want to apologize for... I'm a little emotional. Uh, so I hope you'll forgive that. But I, I want to take all of this and to kind of channel it into a topic that is definitely more relevant for us. And while I've been dealing with all of this, and while I've been mourning and grieving and just having all the sadness and dealing with all my other mental health journeys, one thing that has come back to me time and time again is how my therapist has uh, expressed to me the importance and the value of working with one's hands and doing things with one's hands as a way to have emotional and mental healing and to um, try to uh, use that as a, um, a salve, as a medication. And so I have been playing some games. I played Silent Hunters by GMT Games and you might think, well, that's just playing a game. That's not like working with your hands. That's not being creative. And that's true. But one of the things that I have found valuable about that game is you needed to keep a log. You have to write down what happens. So for me, the act of writing has been very therapeutic of marking down uh, where my sub is going and what it encounters and does it succeed or not. Uh, so... This is a game by GMT Games where you um, helm a U.S. Naval submarine in World War II. And it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been very helpful. I like that it doesn't take up a whole lot of table space. And that uh, it can be played solo. You can do it in spurts here and there. So it's really nice. I had um, part of the game is that, especially early on, as the Americans, your torpedoes don't do well. You have a lot of duds. So even if you hit, you don't do anything. So I had a lot of that happening until later on I encountered a Japanese carrier. And I think it may have been the Shokaku. I'd have to look again. But I managed to hit it with three torpedoes and sink it. And I was very, very surprised. But that was uh, an amazing moment for me in the game. Uh, but then I ended up stopping because I realized as nice as that was and as helpful as that was that I needed to do something different. I, I needed to continue to play games as it were and be involved with games, but to do more with my hands. And so I had dug out some of my Dwarven Forge pieces and just sat down at my game table and took them out and try to put them together in different ways uh, to see how they could fit and, and what kind of stories I could tell and what I could do with them. So I ended up creating this whole kind of, I'm going to say cityscape, but it was more of a town with streets and buildings and 
that was just me meditative for me. The act of using the Dwarven Forge, and although I wasn't playing a role-playing game or anything like that, um, I was building with them, actually. I was just kind of creating. Uh, and through that creating and through manipulating them with my hands and admiring the artwork that went into sculpting them and to painting them and to creating all these pieces and trying to decide how to put them together and use them in unusual ways, uh, that was really helpful for me. And I think it's something that can be helpful for others, too. I took some time to take some photos. I uh, brought out my Breach Storm miniature, something you might not think would go with Dwarven Forge pieces. And I was posing them and setting things up and took pictures and got all my lights out. And that was big for me because I hadn't felt like doing anything like that in a long time. And especially for any of you, what even if you're not grieving, let's say you're in a hobby slump and you might not feel like doing anything. Well, you might not feel like painting, you might not feel like building, but to have that one thing, no matter how small, that kind of helps you to break free of that, even in a tiny way, that can be enough to open the door a little bit more and to allow you to venture a little bit further and to feel a little more comfortable and to just access that a little bit more. And for me, that's what this had done. The setting everything up and spending the time to choreograph the shots and to take the pictures and to really just kind of get into what narrative I was playing and to think about it artistically, but also from a gameplay standpoint, could this be a game? What kind of scenario would this be? Who would want to play? What would happen here? All of that kind of got me excited. It gave me some moments of happiness when I hadn't been able to feel it for a little while. And that spurred me on to work more with the Dwarven Forge pieces. And it just so happened to be that Dwarven Forge had a Kickstarter out, uh, which is now successfully funded for, uh, they called it Wildlands. It was a lot of kind of scatter terrain. Uh, they were aiming for a lot for war gamers. I think they're gonna be doing more with war gamers uh, coming soon uh, in the future, especially in 2021 maybe. And uh, that kind of encouraged me too. So I participated and I backed the Kickstarter and then I started using the pieces more and more and spent time with my daughters with the Dwarven Forge terrain. And the nice thing about this is that the plastic is made out of is nearly indestructible. So that unlike, say, a beautiful MDF kit or beautiful uh, miniatures that you might get that you build and you paint, those are more fragile, right? Not something necessarily... You're going to want young children to just kind of be playing around with. Um, not because young children don't want to be careful, but that they're young kids and it's harder for them. So that was not a concern with the Dwarven uh, Forge pieces. And so both my daughters, my 18-month-old and my five-and-a-half-year-old and I, we got down on the floor and I jumped out all the pieces and we all played with them. I just spent this time together playing with the Dwarven Forge pieces and pulled them out and, and I pulled out caverns and I had bought uh, a, a new set, new to me anyway, but a set of doors for the caves where there are things like um, regular doors that open, but also hidden doors. So it's like a wall and the door opens, you don't know it's there. And uh, 
this other piece where you can do inserts for different types of doors, a, a porticulus, or you can have a slime wall that comes down and all that kind of stuff. And to play with it with the kids and to see how they use all these pieces in creative ways. Uh, and it invigorated me. So that has become a, a habit actually. Every night after dinner and before bed, part of our routine is we pull out daddy's special toys, my Dwarven Forge pieces, and we play with them. The pieces do whatever. They can be anything and anyone that the kids want them to be, and I just go along with it. And we just have this time where we play. And that's been important. Are we playing a game? I mean, in a sense, we are playing whatever game they kind of come up with. Are we playing a tabletop game? No. <laughs> are we doing like a... a uh, Frostgrave or whatever. No, do the are there rules or things? No, it's just it's anything goes. It's an open world, and that's okay. But it doesn't matter. And the fact that they are excited about it gets me excited. Uh, for me, one of the things that has always been important for me is placing my family first. My children, my wife, they all come before me and before anything that I want to do, whether it's recording an episode, which is why I'm recording this in the car. Uh, actually, as I'm returning home from visiting my grandparents' grave and whether it's to go gaming or, or whatever. So like all that kind of stuff uh, tends to come in second or last if it happens at all my family comes first but by combining the two and because they are having fun and they want to do it uh it is allowing it to happen so it's not the same of course as getting out with your friends and playing bolt action or, or whatever playing a hex encounter game asl or anything but for me it counts and it's important and so it's actually led me to invest more in Dwarven Forge pieces, for example. My eldest had remarked that she didn't have enough pieces to build a thing as big as she wanted. Uh, and luckily, I happened to be in a position where I was able to buy some more pieces. They haven't come yet, but some stuff for that. Uh, and I'm continuing to work on my city build that I have, because I think there might be a game there. I think there might be a thing where can used for other stuff um not just with my kids not only with my kids i should say but with others and to do it virtually uh so i think this is a way maybe for those of you who have children where you can find something that can help to combine the two and can help to bring maybe some happiness and help you to break through any sort of blocks you might have about um being in a gaming slump for example. So I just, I found it very important and it's something, not only did I find it important for me, but I felt it important to share that with others. So I've shared it with the team at Dwarven Forge. I've shared it on their social media and I've formed connections with the sculptors there and with the uh, people who run it. And I mean, I, I've gotten to know Stefan, the founder uh, somewhat, and Nate Taylor, who is a creative uh, head honcho over there but I've really kind of connected some more with some of the sculptors there about this um, just chatting with them through social media and being open about my own mental health journeys and how and my grieving and how this is helping that this has become part of my process and how I am 
immersing my kids in this, but not forcing them into it. I think that for many of us war gamers, we might have a desire for our families to be involved in this. And we <coughs> Joshua, if you'll edit out that cough, thanks. But we don't know how to get our families into it. And it can feel very much like we're forcing them into it, right? Because maybe we just don't know what that common ground is. And that kind of goes on a broader sense for anyone, right? Trying to get anyone new into the hobby or anyone outside of our demographic into it. And how do we do it in a way that speaks their language, in a way that uh, has a common ground so that they want to do it, They it's that it's their idea. And thankfully, my kids, it's become their idea. They are the motivating force behind it. And I think you can do it too. In whatever way. Maybe it's not going to be playing with Dwarven Forge pieces. Maybe it's going to be something else. But this has led me not only into Dwarven Forge. This has led me more into fantasy. This has led me into buying <laughs> Dungeons & Dragons pre-painted minis. Uh, maybe I'll run some sort of role-playing game for my kids. A very, I make it up, very homebrew, what are we going to do kind of thing. Uh, open world. Uh, anything they want to do, we can try. And I, I might not even formalize it with rolling or any preset rules, but I might just kind of, in my head, create it. So it'll be, in one sense, very theater of the mind in that the rules and everything will be whatever I happen to decide. It won't be codified anywhere. But in another way, it'll be very now in that we have the pieces in our hands. I think the fact that my kids can have the stuff in front of them on the floor or on a table or wherever, can have the, the minis, can have the whatever there, the, I'm using Gordon Ford, you can use whatever the heck you want. I think that tactile aspect of it is important for them. So I think being able to have a, a thing, like could have a, a time where they and I, we build our own world, our own setting. And then instead of taking it down or put it away in the next time, instead of building the setting, we play on it. And there's an objective, there's a thing to do. We have our adventure. Uh, and for one who's been so far away from fantasy gaming for such a long, long time, this has been surprising and shocking to me, but I'm, I'm embracing it. <laughs> and... Maybe it'll lead to historical stuff for the kids, and maybe it'll lead towards more, I don't know, grown-up games. I, I don't I don't mean that in an insulting way, but in, in more type of games that we normally talk about here at Wargaming Recon, maybe it won't, and that's okay, but my kids are very, very little. My eldest is five and a half, and the youngest is 18 months, so there's only going to be so much... Um, organization involved in whatever sort of game that we play and however I handle it. But I think this is a start and I think this is important for many, many reasons for me. And it's something I think some of you have already done with your kids, whether they are young or grown up. I think this is not an unfamiliar thing for gamers to do, but I think it's something that's there and I think I am encountering and definitely encountering it now in my journey. Uh, so it's kind of all been born out of my process of grieving, uh, the loss of my grandmother, 
and my process of dealing with my mental health journey and thankfully the opportunity to have this here because of Dwarven Forge and I have to say yes I've bought some pieces but a large chunk of this has been born out of the fact that I don't know a handful of years ago I was lucky enough that Stefan over at Dwarven Forge had sent me stuff to review and just wonderful pieces and so grateful for that and blessed for those of you who uh, you know believe in such a thing and I'm not saying you have to but not everyone is in that position and I realize how lucky I am to have that because um, not everyone does but whatever you have available it's okay use the tools that you have there in your toolbox and so I've been working with my hands as my therapist would say and engaging in my family and doing something that is giving me some happiness and joy and I, I as awful as it is to say uh, happiness is not something I, I feel often uh, I in fact I feel it very little um, might not be able to tell because I uh, I try to project that towards others and try to give that to others but for myself I tend not to feel happiness um, I tend to just well that's a topic for another time but I'm just generally uh, I give happiness to others I tend not to receive it or to experience it often for myself and so for me this has been quite wonderful and I know this whole episode has been very introspective but I want to just take this time to say thank you everyone uh, for everything thank you for listening to the show thank you for listening to this episode thank you for being understanding and allowing me the time to take time away from the show and as much as I have thank you for all your kind thoughts and sympathies and your prayers and your condolences and your messages of support and just thank you for being the individuals that you are and for allowing us to do the things that we do here at Working Mary Con. It doesn't always work, but we try. We try to make a difference. We try to provide you with entertainment, uh, something that will bring you enjoyment. We try to inform you. We try to help. And I know we don't do all those things and we don't do them all the time, uh, but we strive for it. And I think in a world where there's so much uncertainty and so much unpleasantness, I think trying to have a message of hope and a message of positivity and of kindness, I think it matters and I think it's important. Uh, and some of you might think it's contrite or naive, you might call me Pollyanna-ish for it and that's okay, those are your opinions and you are absolutely entitled to them. Um, but for me, I'm going to take a page from an individual who mattered greatly to me. Um, I'm going to take a page from Mr. Rogers, uh, Fred Rogers, who another individual who shaped me who I am. And just to kind of say, I like each of you just the way you are. And I'm grateful for you. And I'm going to take a page from my grandmother and say that you are all always welcome here at the show 
And if you happen to see me at an event, should we ever have events again, will we ever get together and game, you're always welcome there. You're always welcome to say hi to me and to be there. And just that there's always room at my table for anyone who wants to play. There's always room at this table here for anyone who wants to be part of this community. And just remember, please, to do, try, just try hard. Do your best, work hard, and think of other people. So, uh, until next time, uh, you know the drill. No matter how busy you are, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how much time you're listening to me, Jonathan, rimble on and on and on and on about all sorts of non-wargaming stuff, you know that you have to, you gotta, you need to keep on gaming. And yes, even though I'm recording this only with audio, I still, when I said keep on gaming, I pointed at the camera like I do on this video because I'm, I don't know, I'm me, I'm weird. Thank you, everyone. Are you always on the go? Why not take Wargaming Recon with you? If you use an app like Pocket Casts, you can listen to your favorite episodes of Wargaming Recon on your mobile device. Wargaming Recon is a proud member of the TSR Podcast Network. Visit wargamingrecon.com slash TSRPN for more information and to learn about the other good shows on the network. This recording is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike License. Many thanks to Andrew and Court for inspiring the show's name. Wargaming Recon is dedicated to the memory of longtime listener Andrew. I ask all listeners to join me in a moment of silence in memory of Andrew. Thank you to everyone who backed our 2020 podcast season on Kickstarter. In particular, I would like to thank Bob Yates, Cigarbox Battle, Enfilade Convention, Jason Elliott, leader of TSR Games, John Vogel, Lead Bears Tufts, Nate Taylor of Dwarven Forge, Ryzen Phoenix GameCon, and Stefan Picorni, founder of Dwarven Forge. We couldn't have been successful without the help of all of you. Thank you so very much, and hope you are enjoying this 2020 podcast season. Wargaming Recon is made possible by listeners like you. Become a Patreon backer to get behind-the-scenes content and new episodes before everyone else, starting at $1 per month. Visit wargamingrecon.com slash Patreon to become a Patreon backer. Wargaming Recon is proudly sponsored by Enfilade. Enfilade is a flagship historical wargaming convention for the Northwest Historical Miniature Gaming Society. Enfilade is held annually over Memorial Day weekend at the Red Lion Inn in Olympia, Washington. Enjoy the largest historical miniature gaming convention west of the Mississippi at Enfilade. Visit www.nhmgscitadel.com for more information. Wargaming Recon is proudly sponsored by the Maine Historical Wargamers Association. They're the folks behind Huzzah! Historical Wargaming for New England. Huzzah takes place May 15th to the 17th, 2020 at the Doubletree in South Portland, Maine. Experience some of the best historical wargaming at Huzzah!
Visit www.hazakon.com for more information.